Good morning, good morning. Good to see you here today. I hope you had a great 4th of July last uh, Sunday. We're going to continue through the series you just saw the video on of God's playlist. And we're going to be in the Psalms. Psalm 23 is where we're going to be at today. And as you make your way uh, to that, that passage in the Bible, if you do not have a Bible, you're new to church in general, just thank you for being here with us today. And we have Bibles in our Welcome Center just a gift for you. You can pick up. Or if you have a friend that doesn't have a Bible that you'd like to give them one as a gift, please take those. They're free and you can use those um, just as gifts to other people. So Psalm 23 is where we're going to be at. But last week we were in Psalm 22. And please, if you missed last week, go back and listen to Psalm 22 because without Psalm 22, there is no Psalm 23. Psalm 22 is all about um, sorrow and suffering and ultimately the cross. And then Psalm 23 that many of us are familiar with is about the good shepherd, right? The Lord is my shepherd. But the only way we get a shepherd is because we have the one that suffered and died on the cross in our place. And so just really encourage you, if you missed last week, you can hop on iTunes, you can download it there and listen to it, or go on our website and watch that. But Psalm 22 is just integral to where God's word leads us in Psalm 23. That soundtrack of 22 leads us to the soundtrack of 23. So let's look at what God's word says to us, starting in verse 1, and we'll read this whole chapter of Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Bow your heads with me. Lord, for centuries, this psalm has brought peace and rest to your people. And so I ask this morning that you would bring peace and rest to us too. I ask that over the next few minutes, you would bring comfort for those who need comfort today, that you would bring conviction for those who need to be convicted. And God, would you speak today through your word. Now let me just invite you, um, no matter where you are in your, your spiritual walk, just to pray and ask that God would speak to you today through his word. So in this moment of silence, pray in your heart to the Lord. Pray to him now. And then pray for me, that as we look at a very familiar passage, that these truths would give us comfort and strength this morning. Pray for me that I would communicate this beautiful passage well. Pray for me now. Lord Jesus, I ask that, that people today would come to know you as their shepherd. 
And for those that know you as their shepherd, God, that you would give them great hope and life and rest. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, this passage, many of us that have been around church for a while or maybe have just gone to funerals have heard this passage of Scripture at some point in our life. We're very familiar with it. But don't let your familiarity with this passage keep you from getting the deep truths and rich love that we find in this passage. Because as I read this passage, it's all about the fact that the Lord is our shepherd. He's our shepherd. But we're a little behind the eight ball on things because I doubt, I might be wrong, but I doubt anybody in this room is a shepherd. I'd even willing to take a step and say, I bet you, you probably don't even know a shepherd, right? And so we read this psalm and we know a little bit about a shepherd from cartoons or movies or things that we see. But as I read it, the question that I'm asking that maybe even you're asking today is, why do I even need a shepherd? Like, it's telling me the Lord is my shepherd. Why does that matter to me? And why do I really need a shepherd? Well, since we aren't shepherds and we don't know shepherds, we miss the importance of a shepherd to the sheep. Because God's word tells us, just like God is a good shepherd, we all in humanity are like sheep. And so we need help from a shepherd to understand what it means for us to have a good shepherd. This man, Philip Keller, you can go get this book. It's a short book, but it's a shepherd's look on Psalm 23. And this man is a shepherd. That's what he did for a living. And so he wrote this little book on Psalm 23 to help us, people who aren't shepherds, understand what God's word is saying and fleshing it out in new ways. And one of the big things that he highlights in there is you and I and our need for a shepherd. And he talks about his sheep, and it's hysterical because he says, I would have my sheep out in this pasture, all this green grass for them to eat all around them. And I would start to count, and I'd be like, one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, we're missing one. We're missing one. Where is he? And he said, I would find a sheep trying to go down this rocky crag where he could fall off to his death for one blade of grass. He's sitting in a field of grass, but in his foolishness, he's like, yeah, I want that piece of grass down there in between these rocks where a cliff is. He also talks about in that book how sheep get cast down. I'm not a shepherd, so I had no idea what it means for a sheep to get cast down. But it means they get too fluffy and they get too fat, that literally they roll over and they cannot get up. Like their feet are like just kicking in the air. They can't roll back over. And unless the shepherd goes over there and lifts them up and gives them a trim, they're going to continue to be cast down. When you're cast down like that, I mean, that is like a perfect Thanksgiving feast for predators, right? They're looking at like, they're, they're not going anywhere. I'll be back in a little bit, right? Like they need a shepherd to care for them and protect them. And another thing he talks about is how sheep consistently would wander off. It's like it's amazing. You're in a field and then you turn around and they're missing. Time and time again, they just seem to wander and stray far from where they need to be. And they need a shepherd to watch over them and to lead them and to protect them and to provide for them. Well, what he's describing as a shepherd for Psalm 23 is what the Bible describes of us. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 says this. We all, that's everybody in this room and in time, we all like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. We've all turned from the paths of right things, righteousness, to our own ways, and we have wandered and got lost. Have you ever been lost before? That is a scary place to be. And when you get lost, you're, you're, you're panicking, you're looking around, you're like, where am I? How did I get here? How do I get out of here? 
like being lost is a terrible place to be. And he says in, in Isaiah, that's us. We're continuing to stray and are lost. And then in the New Testament, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25, it says, you are continually straying like sheep. It's not just like, hey, you were lost and now you're found, but it's like you continue to wander away from God. You're like, thank you for saving me. But this over here looks good. Let's go, let's go on this side. And you continually do this. We continually do this, right? We stray and we need a shepherd to save us. We continue to go down paths that harm us even when we know that it harms us. Some of you guys might have seen this video on YouTube or on social media, but this video that I'm about to show you just depicts really well what God's word says of us as sheep. So check out this video real quick here, just a short video. Boom. That's us right there. That's how God's word describes us. We get out, we're saved, and then we continue to stray. We end back right where we started, right? We need a shepherd. And some of us today, you're thinking, Ryan, like, I know the Bible. I've memorized the Bible. I've memorized Psalm 23. Like, I'm good. This sermon is probably for everybody else. Well, God's word and its great beauty and majesty, Psalm 119. It's the longest song in God's playlist, 176 verses, 176 verses. We could just read that and that would be a whole sermon, right? But if you know that, Psalm 119, it's all about how a person is writing, they're saying, I love your word, I love you, I've memorized your word, I obey your commands. Over and over again, for 175 verses, he's saying over and over and over again, I love your word, I've memorized it, I obey it, I live it out. And then he gets to the very end. At the 176th verse, and this is what he says, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. After 175 verses of saying, I know your word and I know you so well, then he looks at himself and says, man, but I know myself. And I have wandered from your word. I'm a lost sheep, so seek your servant. So listen to me today, whether you're saying I'm running from God right now or I'm running with God, Psalm 23 is for you. Whether you describe yourself as far from God or right next to God, this is a passage you and I need today. We need this shepherd. We desperately need this shepherd. And as we unpack it, we'll see the blessings the shepherd, shepherd gives us and how he leads us. And it's going to continue to show our heart's longing is only found in this good shepherd. So first I want us to see that the Lord is my shepherd that I shall not want. That's where it starts. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, once again, we're familiar with this, that we miss this so much, but the Lord is my shepherd, that term for shepherd was a really, really unique term that they would call God at that time. I mean, when you turn the different pages of the 150 songs that we have here in God's playlist, what you'll see is that God is called rock. He is our rock, and he is. He's a foundation that is stable when our world is crazy. He's stable. He's a rock. God is our shield. He protects us and provides for us and, and, and keeps us safe. Absolutely. But neither a rock nor a shield is very personal, right? It also talks about how God is a king. And that's true, too. God is reigning on his throne. He is sovereign. He is a good king. And yet, that still doesn't give you the like warm fuzzies inside of a personal person, right? But when you get to a shepherd, 
man, that's a whole nother level. That's a whole nother level. Because sheep would know their shepherd and the shepherd would know their sheep. The shepherd would stay outside at night and sleep alongside the sheep. He would know their name. He would know their weaknesses. He would know their failures. He would know everything about them and he would still care for them and love them. This is totally different than everything else that we're seeing. This is a personal God, a loving God. So God is personal. But David, the author of this, responds and he's like, God, you're personal with me, but guess what? I'm personal with you too. He says, you are my shepherd. My shepherd. I love what he does there when he says my shepherd. Because basically what he's saying is, hey, if everybody else denies you, you'll still be my shepherd. If my family forsakes me, which he had many that did, David did, you will still be my shepherd. If the world denies you, you will still be my shepherd. God gets personal and David gets personal in this moment. The Lord is my shepherd. And when he is your shepherd, then you shall not want. You shall not want. Now we have to unpack this a little bit because we read that and we think, oh man, that means I get everything that I want, right? I shall not want. I get all that I want. That's not what it's saying there. That word for want means lack. I won't lack anything. So David, as he writes this, what he's telling us is, man, I might not have all that I want, but I have all that I need. I have all that I need when the Lord is my shepherd. And then he uses this imagery to explain how he has everything he needs. I mean, think about it. If you were a shepherd, what would you need to take care of your sheep? I mean, if you had to think about it, like, what are the, the necessities of a sheep? They need food, and they need water, and they need safety. Like, those are the three things that we know that they need, and we're not even shepherds, right? Well, that's what you see David start to highlight in verse 2. How he leads us, how he provides for us, and how he restores us. In verse 2, this is, this is where God is leading us. This is how he's providing for us. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That's the food that are necessities for us. He leads me beside the still waters. That's where sheep would be able to go and drink. They couldn't have rapid waters. It had to be still, slow waters that they could walk up and drink from. He's like, when the Lord is my shepherd, that's where he leads me. He leads me to these green, still pastures. He leads me to waters that refresh me. Our shepherd is a refreshing God. And the good thing about this is that for centuries, for years, I mean, I would even argue since Adam and Eve, God has been a good shepherd that's providing all that the sheep need. And these green pastures of God's provision and these still waters of God's goodness have never dried up and they've never gone dry. I mean, think about that. For centuries, people have continued to come to God for, his, for their provision. And God continues to provide these green pastures. And they're not brown and barren. They're not dusty grounds. They're still as green as they ever were. And these waters, the people continue to come there and to drink. And God continues to lead them there for living waters of refreshment. They're still not dry. It's still filled to the brim. For any that would come and say, God, you are my shepherd. Provide for me. And Jesus in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 6, will talk about how you, God provides for our necessities. He looks and he says, hey, look at the grass. Look at the flowers. I provide all that it needs to live. He says, hey, look at the bird. 
And when the bird is hungry, I provide all that it needs. Jesus is even saying this is what the shepherd does. He provides the necessities for his people. This is what God does. He leads us to these places of things that we need. And one of the places he leads us that we need so desperately is found in verse 10. He leads us in the paths of righteousness. Of righteousness. This is huge. That God is leading us the path of righteousness. And the reason why it's so huge is because we will not find the path of righteousness apart from him. We won't do it. I mean, the path of wickedness, oh, it is worn. It is bald. So many people have walked on it. But the path of righteousness, Jesus says, is, it's narrow. I mean, so few people tread there, it's probably a little bit overgrown. But thankfully, as our good shepherd, he doesn't say, hey, you know what? I'm going to tell you how to find the path of righteousness. So you want to go to that field over there and then swing a right. And then when you see this giant rock, then turn a left at that rock and then go down. And you'll see this stream and then cross the stream and go up. And there's the path of righteousness on your right. No, he leads us there. I mean, have you ever had anybody give you directions to somewhere and you're like, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it there or not. Like I wrote it down, but maybe I'll, I'll hit all the different spots. It's totally different than somebody saying, hey, you need to go somewhere? Man, I'll get my car. You just follow behind me, and I'll, and I'll lead you there. You don't worry whether you're going to get there or not. And when he leads us the path of righteousness, we would never have found it apart from him. And what we find later is the only way that we get on this path and we walk this path is through Jesus Christ. A lot of times as a church, we'll talk about the death of Christ, it's extremely important to forgive us of our sins. We'll talk about the resurrection of Christ to give us hope for eternity and a future, even in the face of death. But we also have to talk about the life of Christ, the perfect, righteous life of Christ. Because he lived perfectly and showed us the way. He's the one that made the way, the path of righteousness, and said, follow behind me. God's word says that he became our sin so that we might become his righteousness. If it wasn't for Christ the leading, we never ever would have found this path of righteousness. We wouldn't have found it. We need him. And he doesn't just lead us to paths of righteousness, and he doesn't just lead us to these green pastures and still waters. It also says that he restores us. Verse 3, he restores my soul. God doesn't just care about your necessities of everyday life, though he does care about those things. He cares about your soul. And it says he restores it. For so many of us, we think, well, God, you'll forgive me and you can redeem me. But man, you, you can't restore what I've done in the past. You can't restore my life. But God's word right here is telling us, no, he cares for your soul. He will, he will revive it. He will restore it. He will revive it and lift it up again. And so if your soul is full of sorrow, he will strengthen it. If it's full of sin, he will sanctify it. Where he is weak, he will come, come beside and strengthen you. The Lord is my shepherd and he does all these things. Did you see it over and over again? It's the shepherd doing these things, not us. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. He does all of this because we cannot do it apart from him. We desperately need him. We have to trust in him. If we look for anything else, listen to me, if you look for anything else to give you the things that you need for your everyday life or the things that your hearts desire apart from God, you will always be thirsty. You will always be hungry. You will always be lacking. You will always want. We are so tempted to look to all these other areas to find our acceptance, to find our forgiveness, to find a sense of, man, I just want to be forgiven of these things so I'll, I'll work my way and be good enough. And as long as my friends accept me and, and society accepts me, then I'll feel good. If I can have somebody just love me and a companion that will care for me, then I'll be satisfied. And that's not where we're going to find our contentment that we so long for. It's only going to be found in the good shepherd. That's where we find this I shall not want. So I pray and I hope today that you can say the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack love. Because God is love, his word says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack family. Because God is my father. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack companionship or, or company because the Lord said he would never leave me nor forsake me. The Lord is my shepherd. You fill in the blank. I shall not what? Blank. You fill it in. What you're longing for and looking for, you'll only find in Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can look at you and say, come to me and you'll never be thirsty. Come to me and you'll never hunger. If you look to other things, you will forever be thirsty and forever be hungry. Now, I know when I say that, I know when I say that, that some of you hear that, and there's doubts and fears that come up in your heart. You're like, I don't know if I can trust God for that. I, don't, I just don't know if I can. Like, I really want this, and I feel like it'll satisfy me. I don't know if I can trust you, so I want God and this. And so there's fears and doubts that come up in your heart, but God's word speaks to those things. He shows that he's trustworthy in Psalm 23. And even those deepest fears of the heart that we have, he speaks to. And we need to see the second thing is that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not fear. I shall not fear. That's what we find in verse 4. He says, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. Those doubts and those fears that you have in your heart of is God enough, those are not from the Lord. He is more than enough. He created you and is willing to sustain you and satisfy you if you will look to him. But you don't have to fear. Even the worst of fears, you don't have to fear. And one of the things that I, I, I so appreciate about God's word is how real it is. God's word is not an unrealistic portrait of our world. We don't stay in these green pastures and we don't stay by the still waters. Like there's a sense of the valley of the shadow of death, and there's a sense of evil that is really out there. We know this. We see this. And God's word speaks to it. This isn't an escapism that's being offered right here. This is endurance through the pain and the suffering that the sin in this world causes. And he says, I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to fear evil. I know it's there. I would rather stay in verses 2 and 3, but I know that there's evil in this world. And it's so funny to me because we love this passage. We come back to it for comfort. I have seen artwork 
uh, plenty on verses 1 and 2 of these green pastures and the shepherd being there and still waters. Maybe you have. I have never once seen a, a painting of verse 4. <laughs> I've never seen this picture of walking through the valley of shadow of death. We don't paint that and we don't put it in a pretty picture, but it's a part of life. And God doesn't avoid that. The cure to the fear that we have is found in him. Verse 4, it says, for you are with me. You're with me. And the way that he's able to walk through this valley of darkness and death and hard times is that he looks to the Lord and he says, you're with me. And if you're my shepherd and you're with me, walking me through these times, then I have comfort, verse 4 says. They, you, you comfort me. And you comfort me with your rod and you comfort me with your staff. These are two different things. The, the rod would be like a baseball bat that the shepherd would have. And so when the predators came in, the, the evilness, that's when the shepherd would get out and he'd defend the sheep. And then the staff was that kind of uh, upside down J, right, that they would use to guide the sheep when they got off the path or put it around their neck and move them back into the herd. And what he's saying in this moment is, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of fear, I'm not going to fear evil at all because you're, you're there to protect me and you're there to lead and guide me. This is who our shepherd is. Even in the darkest of moments, he's there with us. And did you notice what happens between verses 3 and, and going into verse 4? There's a change from talking about God to talking to God. Did you see that? In verses 1, 2, and 3, he's saying, this is what the shepherd does. He leads us, he feeds us, he provides for us, he restores us. And then in verse 4, he's like, man, when I go through that valley of the shadow of death, man, he stops talking about God and he starts talking to God. And he says, I'm not going to fear any evil for you. And he's talking to the Lord. You're with me. In your rod, in your staff, they, they comfort me. You see, what, what David's doing is he writes this, as he's expressing what you and I already know. It is so easy, or it's at least easier to talk about God in those green pastures by those still waters. It's easy to talk about God. But when we go through those hard, deep, dark valleys, man, it's so much more important to talk to God. We need to come to God in that moment. And so as he changes gears from those green pastures to those dark valleys, he starts talking to the Lord. And that's where his comfort is found, in the Lord. And I love, we, we could take the whole afternoon and go through each one of these words because there's so much rich truth in here. In verse 4 when he says, I will walk through the valley, valley of the shadow of death, death, that is comforting. I mean, think about the other words that could have been chosen for that right there. He doesn't say, I run in panic through the valley of the shadow of death. Like, oh my goodness, like where am I? What's going on? And all these dark suffering times, like let's just keep running. It doesn't say, I run in panic through the valley of the shadow of death. It also doesn't say, I sit in suffering and pain in the valley of the shadow of death. And I sit and suffer myself pity while I remain there. It doesn't say that either. It says, I walk. I walk calmly through those darkest of moments. I walk with a sense of peace because of knowing who my shepherd is. You 
mercy for the one who knows the shepherd. He knows that the shepherd has laid down his life, that now all we do is face a shadow of death instead of the real thing. You see, Christ took the substance of death on the cross so that we would only have to face the shadow. You see, anybody that knows a little bit of of science and a little bit of life knows that a shadow cannot hurt you. No shadow of a dog has ever bit anybody. No shadow of a bullet has ever wounded and killed anybody. It hasn't. Shadows can't hurt you. And when he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, it cannot hurt him because it's already hit Christ. It's already been taken on by Jesus. You see, the the arrow of death has been blunted. So though it may pierce my body, my soul is invulnerable. My soul is invulnerable because of what Christ has done. Some of y'all may know this man, but Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse. He was a pastor of a church in Philadelphia, 10th Presbyterian Church. While he was a pastor, his wife actually passed away when he was younger in ministry and they had young kids. And he's trying to explain to his kids the the reality of death and at the same time speak comfort to them. And so on the way back from the funeral for his wife and their mom, they're driving on the road and a big moving truck drives by their car. And the shadow of that truck passes over their car and so it's dark for just a moment for them. And the truck pulls in front of them. And Dr. Barnhouse said in that moment, it kind of hit him, this is a way to encourage and comfort my kids in this moment. And so he said, hey kids, would you, would you rather be hit by that truck or by the shadow of that truck? And they said, oh, the, the shadow. I mean, the shadow doesn't hurt us. The truck, I, that would kill us, but the, the shadow doesn't hurt us. He said to his kids, did you know that 2,000 years ago, The truck of death ran over our Lord Jesus in order that only the shadow would hit mom. Only the shadow would hit mom. You see, last week when we looked at Psalm 22, we see a full picture of what that looks like for the truck of our sin and the curse of our shame to come down on Christ. Where he was crucified on the cross and abandoned by his friends and felt suffering and shame, not because he deserved it because he certainly didn't but because we deserved it he stood in our place and so he took the substance of our sin that we would only have to feel the shadow of our sin this is what Christ did for you and for me and this is the beauty for all who come because he did that work there's an open invitation come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest we have to come to him and we look at this world and, and we have so many Cynical, broken, jaded people. And it's hard not to be in our broken world. But it's because we don't know the shepherd. I mean, think about this. If you took this psalm and you removed the shepherd from this psalm, you just took him away, this is what you get. You get obsessing over our wants in the valley of the shadow of death. You are paralyzed by your fear when you remove the shepherd. And we'll get to it in a minute, but you're stuck in the presence of your enemies without the shepherd. Think about that. Many people in our world, many people in our neighborhoods, many people in our families are living in a world where they're obsessing over their wants and they're stuck in the valley of the shadow of death. 
They're paralyzed by all the fears in their life because they don't have a good shepherd. They're stuck in the presence of the enemies, people that would rather step on them or step over them to move forward in life than to care for them. That's what you get when you remove or reject the shepherd. And so please, please hear the prayer of my heart that none of you would reject the shepherd, but would come to him today so you wouldn't have to live in this world without a good shepherd. This world of fear and anxiety and depression. But you would come to him and find hope. Find hope. And not just hope, but that you would find goodness and mercy. This is the last thing that this passage mentions for our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall find goodness and mercy. That's what it says in the last two verses. Verse 6 specifically. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That word for goodness there is God's kindness. We worship a kind and loving God and praise him for that. Could you imagine if our God was an evil, wicked God? One who loved to just pick and punish people unjustly. But we don't serve a God like that. We serve a good, kind God who shows us his goodness in multiple ways. But in verse 5, it says his goodness comes to us as he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. This is so good right here. God doesn't wait for you to get out of your pain and your suffering to give you a meal of comfort. He doesn't say, well, once you're out of that shadow and you're out of your enemies... Man, okay, now we'll sit down and we'll have a meal together. No, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our enemies, it says, you prepare a table before me. I mean, this makes no sense logically. I mean, if you are a soldier and you're in the presence of your enemies, like you're eating super fast, right? You don't even care if it's on your face. You might not even eat because you want to be ready all the time. Like, when is he going to attack? When is he going to say something? When is it all going to break loose? But when the Lord is your shepherd, man, the goodness comes. And even in those dark moments, you find comfort in a meal with the Lord. In the presence of your enemies. This is what God offers us. And he offers us an overflowing cup, verse 5 says. That there's so much goodness in our life, we can't contain it. There's so much goodness in God and his eternal nature. It continues to overflow our cup. But what happens, sadly, so often is... Our cup becomes broken. We punch holes in our cup because we try to find our satisfaction in so many other things in life. And we look at all of our sins and, and we're like, yes, this is going to satisfy us. And we pour it in the cup and it doesn't overflow, it just runs out the bottom. But when we come to the Lord and say, you are my shepherd. He looks at that broken life, that broken cup, and he puts it back together. He fills it with his goodness, and it overflows. His goodness is there. His mercy is also there. And this word for mercy is so important. All throughout the, uh, all throughout the Old Testament, this word for mercy is used over and over again. And this is in Hebrew hesed, his loving kindness, his mercy. This is what he would use to say, I'm committed to you. Over and over again, God uses this word to say, I am committed to you. And a lot of times he uses it on the hills of us not being committed. 
Like these shepherd, these sheep that run away from the shepherd, they stray. He looks at him and he says, yeah, my mercy is there for you. I am committed to you. I'm not running away from you. God is so committed to us. He loves us. Even when we're sinful and we're running, he is faithfully pursuing us, telling us to come back to him. God's mercy is always there for us. He's committed. God's word even says when we are faithless, he remains faithful. That's the whole idea of God's mercy. Some of you even hear that and you're like, I'm not worthy of that. I'm not worthy of that kind of love and commitment. No. No, you're not. And I'm not. But that's why it's called mercy. We've never looked at a flock of sheep and said, man, those sheep are so committed. Man, let's applaud those sheep for being so committed. We don't do that. We look at a shepherd and we say, man, he is so committed to care for these crazy foolish sheep. You see, we don't come to church so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, man, we are so committed, people. We come in here and we worship and we sing to our good shepherd because he is committed to us. Because he loves us. And you may wonder, how long does that mercy last? How long is that commitment there for us? Look at verse 6. All the days of my life. And you might say, well, I don't feel like it right now. Like, I don't feel like God's goodness and his mercy are there. Look at verse 6. It'll follow us. That means it'll pursue us. You don't always know when somebody's following you. You don't always know when something is pursuing you. There's times where you're walking, you're like, I don't feel like it's there. And God's word's like, yeah, but I promised you it's following you. It's there. It hasn't abandoned you. I'm not going to abandon you. So right now, you might not feel like it. You might say, God, I don't feel your goodness. I don't feel your mercy. Know this truth that it follows you. It pursues you. It is not going to give up all the days of your life. And the beauty of that is it doesn't stop at the days of your life. The end of verse 6. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's goodness and his mercy are with us through all of eternity. In the book of Revelation, chapter 7, it gives us another glimpse of Psalm 23 and the fulfillment of Jesus. In Revelation, chapter 7, verse 17, it says, For the Lamb, that is Jesus, the one who would be sacrificed for us, is in the midst of the throne, and he will be their shepherd. He will guide them, where? To the springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. God is saying, I will be there for eternity with my goodness and my mercy. I will lead you to those green pastures for all of eternity. And those still waters that will heal you for all of eternity. All those fears that make you cry at night, I will wipe away every fear and every tear from your life. He will. This is the beauty of having God as your shepherd. So look to him as your shepherd today. I was at a funeral several, several years ago now. And it was interesting because I knew a lot of people in this funeral. And we went to the, the graveside. And while we're there, literally <laughs> looking at the shadow of death, right? Looking at one who, is, who has died. And the pastor who's leading this funeral says, those of you that know it, I want you to re 